Thank you, music team, for singing over us and leading us in worship and tuning our hearts and our minds. We gather in Jesus' name. Amen. These are good words that we were singing this morning. We need to hear them. I know I need to hear them. I need to sing them, my wife and I. You know, we face a very real spiritual danger when calamity occurs, when difficulty and struggle occurs. And this spiritual danger has become evident, especially during this uh, pandemic. And I mean beyond the virus or health concerns. There's a spiritual hazard that we are susceptible to, Christians and non-Christians alike. Uh, Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, was a resident in Jerusalem and a witness to the destruction of the city and the region. And he records the city, the Israelite people's responses in this poetic form in lamentation. He records their response, and in that response, the spiritual hazard, the danger, is revealed. And it's meant to be a lesson for us, to draw us close to the Lord and help us avoid and get out of this harm's way. And so I invite you to turn to Lamentation chapter 2. I'm going to read verse uh, starting at verse 9, Lamentations chapter 2, starting at verse 9. Describing the city and the region. Her gates have sunk into the ground. He has ruined and broken her bars. Her king and princes are among the nations. Guidance is no more, and her prophets obtain no vision from the Lord. The elders of daughter Zion sit on the ground in silence. They have thrown dust on their heads and put on sackcloth. The young girls of Jerusalem have bowed their heads to the ground. My eyes are spent with weeping. My stomach churns. My bile is poured out on the ground because of the destruction of my people. Because infants faint and babes faint in the streets of the city. I'll just go to verse 11. We can hear many perspectives there, many voices. The region is described as a daughter. Uh, really, Jeremiah is saying this is affecting all of us. We are all impacted by this, the whole region, the whole community. We're affected by this. And he even draws out earlier in the chapter, he mentions Israel and Jacob to draw out the fact of their heritage and the fact that they were God's people. And do you notice that he remarks that the prophets are silent? There's no spiritual direction. The elders are quiet. There's no spiritual comfort. The young are discouraged and weak and upset. Jeremiah says he himself is exhausted. It is really a living you-know-what. You know, Babylon had besieged this 
region of Judah twice before. They had come onto the land of Judah and besieged Jerusalem twice before. In 605 B.C., they came and rendered uh, destruction, and at that time, they took Daniel and his friends, and you will recall some of the stories of Daniel. Then in 598 B.C., they came again, and this time, the king Nebuchadnezzar uh, installed a king in the region, uh, Zedekiah. And Zedekiah was a, sort of a weak and oscillating king, like a cheap sprinkler. Just back and forth, he, he went from honoring and holding to Yahweh's covenants to interested in his own wealth, his own notoriety, his own popularity, and he just went back and forth. But Babylon's third military wave was the most ferocious, and it leveled the region and the city, and it left a scorched earth behind. One and a half years of battle. And interestingly, King Zedekiah that was installed there, King Zed fled out the back gates of Jerusalem with his sons. But these Babylonians were so fierce, they tra uh, chased after him, and they killed his sons in front of him. That's how horrible the circumstance was. But to be clear, that region and Jerusalem, the people there had become quite violent themselves. Under that kind of leadership, they had been corrupted and become wicked themselves. They, the people of Judah and, and the city of Jerusalem, had become violent themselves, oppressing people that were not Jewish, lack of regard for any sense of justice, no concern for widows and orphans. 125 years earlier, the prophet Isaiah had written and described and prophesied about this, the consequences for that kind of way of life. And this description of vacillating kings, of personal interest and profit and corruption sounds eerily familiar even today. And... Yes, the environment, the era that we're living in is far from the destruction that they were experiencing then. But this COVID pandemic has been difficult. It has been horrible. It has been really tough. All over the world, as we heard, and locally as well. And what has been most, perhaps most disruptive about it is it has disrupted community. It has disrupted relationships. It has disrupted our ability to socialize and be present together. We are created, designed to be present together, and that has been disrupted. But what has come in its place, this disruption of community, we have now been experiencing division and disagreement, interestingly, when we are separated and when, and when uh, community is disrupted, disagreement and division comes in. And there is no shortage of opinions. You don't need to make an appointment or stand in line to get one. It's amazing. But even beyond the pandemic, some of you have in the last couple of years had some real challenges and real struggles and heartbreaking experiences of life. And the people of Judah, 
at the time when they were, uh, dis- the city was destroyed, at that time they were living a corrupt and wicked life. Absolutely. But that does not always correlate to difficulty and trauma. Yes, there are consequences for the way we live, and there are consequences for sin. But sometimes wickedness and evil is visited on us. And we grieve. And we cry out. And we get angry. And that makes sense. It makes sense because anger is actually a phase of grief. A friend of mine who uh, I've known for many years is uh, recognized or or recommended this book to me. Uh, This friend of mine is actually of Cree heritage, actually swampy Cree heritage. And I was asking him to give me some more help that I could gain insight into uh, the, the plight of my indigenous and so on. And he recommended this little book called The Grieving Indian. The information is on our website in the sermon section. But in here, this Ojibwe elder describes the, the plight of the indigenous people, but he also describes about grief and about one of the dominant phases of grief, which is rage, anger. And that's what we get in chapter 2 of Lamentation. It's actually, the chapter 2 is a tirade. It would be, if it was happening today, it would be like um, the anger-filled comment section on social media. Just, you know, we even just say, don't even go there anymore, because all you get is just... Except in Lamentation 2, this anger-filled diatribe, in this case, they are rallying... They are railing against God. Their anger is directed at God. And so we read Lamentations 2, starting at verse 1. How the Lord in his anger has humiliated daughter Zion. He has thrown down from heaven to earth the splendor of Israel. He has not remembered his footstool in the day of his anger. The Lord has destroyed without mercy all the dwellings of Jacob. In his wrath, he has broken down the strongholds of daughter Judah. He has brought down to the ground in dishonor the kingdom and its rulers. He has cut down in fierce anger all the might of Israel. He has withdrawn his right hand from them in the face of the enemy. He has burned like a flaming fire in Jacob, consuming all around. He has bent his bow like an enemy with his right hand, set like a foe. He has killed all in whom we took pride in the tent of daughter Zion. He has poured out his fury like fire. The Lord has become like an enemy. He has destroyed Israel. He has destroyed all its palaces laid in ruins its strongholds and multiplied in daughter Judah, mourning and lamentation. He has broken down his booth like a garden. He has destroyed his tabernacle. The Lord has abolished in Zion festival and Sabbath. In his fierce indignation has spurned king and priest. 
The Lord has scorned his altar, disowned his sanctuary. He has delivered into the hand of the enemy the walls of her palaces. A clamor was raised in the house of the Lord as on a day of festival. Lament and anger. It's interesting in their anger that they project a lot of that right onto God. Lament is very intense. There are strong thoughts and feelings. And anger or rage is dominant among them. An anger that wants to seek revenge. An anger that wants to blame. To blame someone, sometimes to blame self, or to blame God in this case. The community is overwhelmed, so they blame. Their anger boils. And what's interesting here is that this word destroy, the Hebrew word is baleh. It means to consume or to swallow. It is, they are describing God as one who is swallowing. They're describing God as a sea monster that's swallowing them. I mean, it's raw, it's transparent. One of my mentors describes it as like real Jacob-like wrestling, but it's anger directed towards God. And here in the spiritual hazard is revealed. Here's where the spiritual danger becomes evident. When calamity occurs when difficulty happens, when a pandemic happens, the spiritual danger is enemy confusion. We can be confused about who the enemy is. The very real danger is who is the enemy and who is not. I was asking uh, our staff earlier this week if kids still play hide-and-go-seek. Um, we don't have a lot of kids here this morning, so maybe it's something to ask those that are joining us by live stream, but hide-and-go-seek, I don't know, do you, any of you remember hide-and-go-seek as, as a game, yeah? Okay, so the idea is it's played in the dark, uh, often, and someone is it, <laughs> it, <laughs> Okay, what? <laughs> you know, uh, anyway, what, what is it? Someone's it. Anyway, and then everybody else goes to hide, and they hide, and, they, and so the person that's it tries to go and find the people that, and what you do is they're hiding, and if you see somebody, then you go and you try and see if you can recognize them, and the idea is that you call their name. I see or I see, and you call their name, and you try to do that, and the idea is, oh, and then, you get that person, and the next one you don't quite recognize, you don't get the name right. If you don't get the name right, they can run away, or you can try a second time. But if you've ever been it, and it's in the dark, and you're trying to get that person, if you don't get that name right, you start getting a little worried, and then you start getting a little anxious, and then you just start calling names. Well, who else do we have? Sally, no, Bob, no, John, ah. When we get filled with anger and rage... It's a lot like that. It's a lot like being in the dark. 
and it can we can be overcome. And the question is, then we begin to get confused with who is who, and we lose track of and we misunderstand who is the enemy and who is not. And we... We lament and we long, even in this time. You have friends or family members, people that are out of work, people that are sick, whatever the case may be. And we long, as the Israelites, the people, uh, the residents there, we long for things to be better. We long to be healed. We long to be helped. We long to be made right and whole. And it seems as though for the people of the city of Jerusalem, they could only begin to get clarity once they had vented the steam of their anger that seemed to be pressuring and pounding their souls. It's at that point we read in Lamentations 2, verse 13. What can I say for you? To what compare you, O daughter Jerusalem? To what can I liken you that I may comfort you, O virgin daughter Zion? For vast as the sea is your ruin, who can heal you? Who can heal you? And this, friends, is the difficulty when we have enemy confusion. This is the, the, the key question then, who is the healer? It reminds me of David in Psalm 121. I look to the hills, from where does my help come from? This is the point and the pulse of it. When we are confused about who is the healer, who is the herder? We have this enemy confusion. Where will our healing then come from? Because we need it. Where will we go? Will it be for prophets? To the prophets? But some of them are false. Will it be to people? Well, some of them are also frail or fickle. Who is the herder and who is the healer? It's at this point... The Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, in the midst of all of this, he remembers and he gives this advice in verse 19. Arise, cry out in the night, at the beginning of the watches. Pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift your hands to him for the lives of your children who faint for hunger at the head of every street. This is Jeremiah's advice. He says, cry out to the Lord. Plead to the Lord. The Lord is present. Plead to Him. Cry out to Him. Now this only makes sense. It only makes sense for us to go to the Lord, to plead to Him, to speak to Him and cry out to Him. It only makes sense if our God is completely other than the violence and the harm that we experience in life. It would be heinous abuse to think that God is both the violent actor and also the one we are supposed to come to and please. That's not 
the case. He is the healer. The Lord is our healer. Who is the herder and who is the healer? We need to sort this out, this enemy enigma. We need to sort it out because, friends, we are in a spiritual cosmic battle. The creator, the designer, and the spiritual forces of wickedness, the marauders, they are the ones led by the enemy himself, the devil. They are the ones that are prowling around like a lion. They are the ones that will be the sea monster that will be cast into the abyss at God's behest on the final day of judgment. Amen. We're in a spiritual battle. So then what is our, what is our hermeneutical framework? Or to ask it another way, when we are in the dark playing hide-and-go-seek in life when we are faced with difficulties that feel like the lights are turned low or we are experiencing trauma or harm or hurt, how will we recognize who the Lord is? And for that, my friends, I say we turn to look into the face of Jesus Christ. We look to Jesus we look to Jesus to know who God is. We look to Jesus, and even more particularly, we begin with the cross of Jesus Christ. It is at the cross that the cosmic spiritual battle is exposed. It is at the cross where we discover where the violence is actually at. Who holds the violence and where is the rescue and the healing? It is the people that have the violence stirred on by the spiritual forces of wickedness. And it is the Lamb upon the throne who takes away and forgives the sins, our sins, and not only ours, but the sins of all the world. Amen. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And when we're going through a pandemic like this, I hope when I say through, I hope that it means through and out, Lord willing, very shortly to the other side. And whether it is this pandemic or whether it is experiences of life, there are times when it makes complete sense to lament. And to be upset, it warrants it because it's not good. But I am a minister of the gospel, the good news. And that good news is that Jesus is Lord. And that means that love is in charge. And that means that there is healing. And Jesus is our healer. When Jesus was in the synagogue, they invited him to read scripture. They handed him the scroll from the prophet Isaiah. And Jesus stood up because when you're reading scripture, you stand. You actually sit to teach. You stand to read scripture. Jesus found that scroll. He took it and he unrolled it to this section of Isaiah. And in the synagogue, he read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus read, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And maybe you're thinking, is that literally blind are suddenly able to see and captives really set free? Or is he speaking metaphorically? Just a few chapters later in Luke chapter 7, the Baptist, John the Baptist, sends some of his friends over to ask and inquire if Jesus was the Messiah, if he was the anointed one. Are you that one or should we ask for somebody else? And Jesus had just finished doing some physical healings. And Jesus said, here's the message I want you to send back to John. On. People are being given their sight back. People are now being able to walk. People are being set free. That is the sign that I am the Messiah. It's I am the healer. And so there is this integration of healing and salvation, of rescue and healing and salvation. In Acts chapter 4, when Peter and John are brought before the Sanhedrin, the court, and they're asked, in what name or by what power are you saying these words and are you healing people? Peter's answer was, in the name of Jesus. There is no other name on earth given among mortals by which we can be saved. And that word saved, the Greek word is sozo. It means saved. It also means healed. He is our healer. And the most profound exclamation point to Jesus as our helper and our healer is on the day of resurrection. when he was brought back to life, never to die again. And so, friends, I invite you, can you imagine, can you take that extra step of faith to believe that Jesus is Lord and he is a healer? Just a small, just a small step, just to believe that much. And if you believe that much, then cry out to him. Plead your case to him. Trust and believe and invite him into every aspect of your life. He is, in all these terms that the Israelites used, Jehovah Nisi. The Lord my banner, Jehovah Ra, the Lord is my shepherd, Jehovah Rapha, healer, Jehovah Jireh, and finally, he is Jehovah Shalom. I'll invite the music team at this time. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we plead our case before you in a step of faith that you are 
Savior and healer. You are Lord. And in all the relationships and circumstances of life, you know what they are because you see and you are present. The Lord is present. And Lord, I pray this morning that there are some young people this morning that need healing. And we intercede for them and we say, would you heal them? There are relationships that need healing. Would you heal those relationships? There are bodies that need healing, Lord Jesus. And so we, we cry to you, we plead to you in complete faith. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, you are our healer.